And now, this month's special series, Focus on Cancer. What are the latest advances in cancer treatment and research? ReachMD takes a closer look. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Glioblastoma multiforme is the most common and lethal form of brain cancer, with most patients surviving just 14 months from the time of diagnosis. The Cancer Genome Atlas has recently reported results from its first comprehensive study focusing on this deadly disease. How might this new research help us develop new therapies? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, and with me today is Dr. Stephen Balin. Dr. Balin is currently Professor of Oncology and Medicine, Chief of the Cancer Biology Division, and Associate Director for Research of the Sydney Kimmel Comprehensive Cancer Center at Johns Hopkins. For the last 20 years, Dr. Balin has studied the role of epigenetic gene silencing in the initiation and progression of human cancer. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr. Balin. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Dr. Balin, along with Dr. Peter Laird of USC, you're the co-director of the epigenetic component of the Cancer Genome Atlas study. Tell us a little bit about how this work began. Well, the work in the Atlas project per se began multiple years ago when the Genome Institute at the NIH and the National Cancer Institute felt there was a need to study in-depth genetic and epigenetic changes in some of the common forms of human cancer. The approach would use many, many samples of primary tumors from each of the tumor types chosen. Actually, they're aiming to try to get 500 samples per each tumor type to be studied. So let's say we talked in the intro about glioblastoma. Tell us about that. So glioblastoma, which, as you mentioned, is the deadliest form of brain tumors and the most common, was the initial cancer type chosen for study. Were you able to get 500 specimens? We are now uh, approximately at 250 to 300 samples in the quest to go to 500. But that represents a lot of samples that have now been studied for comprehensive analyses. This project really involves a mind-boggling number of institutions and investigators. How do you manage all of this? Well, the central management comes from a very hardworking group of senior leaders and the folks working with them in each multiple component of the project that ranges from coordinating tissue acquisition, preparation of DNA and RNA, for shipping out to the multiple analyses centers and a large effort to coordinate all the data in an informatics platform that can be queried not only by the TCGA investigators, but by the clinical research community as a public database as well. Now, thinking about the particular science, how does gene methylation make brain cancer cells more responsive to chemotherapy? Well, this is one of the new things about the Genome Atlas Project. The the human genome itself and multiple other ventures of this type usually include genetic changes, that is, mutations and other changes in DNA that alter the ability of genes to function. And one type of epigenetic change, the one you mentioned, which is called abnormal promoter DNA methylation, abnormal DNA methylation at the start site of genes, can be associated with gene silencing, and that can serve as an alternative to mutations for disruption of gene function. And so it was thought that a pilot project within this TCGA to sample that across the genome 
would be very valuable. And so it was included in this first effort. And how do the mismatch repair genes fit in? We've learned something quite fascinating in the first phase of the project, which received major attention in the first consortial paper that was published in Nature several months ago. And that concerns a gene that we knew got DNA hypermethylated and silenced in glioblastoma, or GBM. But this gene, from studies originally in in our group at Hopkins, but validated in several large studies by other investigators at other institutions, is involved with repair of DNA damage. And when the tumors lose this gene, they become susceptible to the DNA damage caused by one of the major treatment modalities for GBM, which is temozolomide, or alkylating agents, usually in association with radiation. And so the methylation of this gene, which we call O6-MGMT, predicts for sensitivity to the therapy and actually does produce some increased survival and an increased disease-free interval in patients on temozolomide and or temozolomide plus radiation therapy. Now, we knew that that gene gets silenced in DNA hypermethylated and GBM, but what we didn't know until analyses of all these tumors is, first of all, that in patients who are treated, whose tumors had silencing of this gene, they're indeed sensitive, more sensitive, but when they come back, they have a spectrum of mutations, which results in an increased number of mutations, which are due to the loss of this O6-MGMT. So they don't repair across the genome, if you will, just as they are sensitive also to the DNA damage from the drug. And so what happens to these individuals in the tumors that come back, if they recur, they have many, many more mutations than patients who have not been treated. And those mutations are of the type predicted for by the loss of O6-MGMT. Now, it's a bit complicated, but here's where the mismatch repair genes play in. In a treatment of these tumors, when they are damaged by the temozolomide, the tumor cells attempt to repair that damage through the mismatch repair enzymes, which is a family of enzymes. But as long as they have that O6-MGMT lost, it's futile. They can't repair it. And so what happens is when the cells go through this futile repair, they will die. And that's the mechanism partly responsible for killing of the tumor cells by temozolomide. So what the tumors apparently do, they will select for a way around that. And the way to get around that is to mutate one or more of the mismatch repair genes. Not only that, they have the loss of O6-MGMT to predict the type of mismatch repair mutations that will occur. So there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is that loss of this gene predicts for sensitivity to the leading agents that are used today. The bad news is that it may also predispose to loss of the mismatch repair enzymes, and so you select for a tumor that will recur, and that tumor in turn will have a number of increased mutations. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Stephen Balin. We are discussing the Cancer Genome Atlas, especially about the glioblastoma multiforme study. Dr. Balin, what are the implications of your work for future development of new treatment options? Well, I think that's what is is exciting. The loss of O6-MGMT will still be a very valuable test, the DNA methylation of O6-MGMT to predict for temozolomide sensitivity and will be used 
increasingly by clinicians, we believe, in the future to predict the sensitivity to the tumor. But now we have to think about if this paradigm that's uncovered in these first studies is true, how would we go about designing perhaps ways to get around this to prevent either the recurrences or to treat the recurrences in a different way based on what we've learned. So the first thing that has to be done is to validate these studies by expanding their size. And what TCGA will be doing now is try to get as many tumors of glioblastoma as they can from the patients where they have both the tumor prior to therapy and the tumor after it recurred so that they can validate that these differences that we've seen in the first study are truly repeatable. And then, if this is the case, we can think about multiple strategies for how we might treat these patients early after they've responded to the first therapy to try to keep these tumors from recurring or have a longer disease-free interval, and what therapies we might anticipate are the way we would explore the recurrent tumors when they do arise based on this new knowledge of the types of tumors that are present. Mm -hmm. And how would you do that? Well, there are a number of ways that we are thinking about. One could actually think about turning the gene back on in the early tumors that are trying to recur because if you're not going to use temozolomide again, this might not hurt anything to turn the gene back on, and that might reduce the numbers of mutations that would accrue, which might have something to do with driving recurrent tumors. This is the kind of thing that people are talking about. There are other strategies and therapeutic targets that have been learned about in the TCGA through many of the other gene changes, both genetic and epigenetic. They're suggesting networks and pathways that are fundamentally abnormal in these tumors that might have drug therapies directed at those pathways that could be brought into play in various strategies as well. Now, what if some of our listeners have glioblastoma patients that they'd like to include in your work? How can they do that? Well, and I should mention that a potential conflict, although I am in no way part of the company, there is now a clinical test for the DNA hypermethylation of O6MGMT that is offered so that the patient's tumor tissue can be analyzed for the presence or absence of the abnormal start site DNA methylation. That can be, at the physician's discretion, woven into their predictions about the use of temozolomide, the sensitivities, so they can have that knowledge up front on any patient who's operated on and where a small amount of tissue is available for DNA analysis. Okay. Now, is it possible to get our patients into the study? There are multiple studies going on that are, again, further and further validating O6-MGMT as a, a marker. And many institutions do participate. I think that the radiation oncology ECOG type group has a large study going right now. I don't honestly know all the participating institutions or what the entry levels are, but there are certainly going to be trials where people will be very interested in having patients enrolled to look at outcomes. Is there a place where our listeners might be able to find out more about the Cancer Genome Atlas? If you go to the web and look up the Cancer Genome Atlas Project, you will find multiple numbers. You'll first of all find multiple ways that you can click in and learn more about the particulars of the project, numbers of people to call for information about this. So they have a website that can certainly be readily queried by any physician. Great. And, And just to be clear, you're looking at cancers other than glioblastoma as well. 
Yes, the project was initially designed to do so, and the acquisition of samples on ovarian cancer and non-small lung cancer, predominantly the squamous cell type, but probably also to include adenocarcinomas, is now underway. This project has been approved by the advisory board at the NIH to be extended, and other tumors such as breast, colon, kidney are almost assuredly going to be analyzed in this way as well. Good time to be a researcher, huh? Well, it's a hopeful time, and especially if one feels that the research is going to actually benefit patients in a reasonable amount of time, and and that is the greatest hope. Well, thank you for helping to teach us about it. Thank you for asking me to be on. We've been speaking with Dr. Stephen Balin of Johns Hopkins about the Cancer Genome Atlas Project and the hopeful clinical implications of their work. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You're listening to ReachMD on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com which features our entire library of shows through on-demand podcasts. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Cancer. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at reachmd.com.